Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by the Boss Builders. That would be us. Hey, for this year, we are really ramping up our training options. Now, post-COVID, we did a lot of virtual work. We had our Art of the Great Boss Masterclass. We had, I think, 15 or 20 different cohorts go through it, and we still have cohorts going through it today. It's a great program, one session a month for 13 months. But we also realize that audiences are ready for us to come back on the road and visit them at their house. And so we are implementing a couple of new programs. Well, they're not really new. Well, one of them actually is very new. The first one is our two-day driving results on-site management skills workshop. This involves learning how to manage people, learning about yourself, learning how to motivate, lots of exercises we do together, lots of opportunities to practice. Our second option, though, is a new hybrid option. And so what we wanted to do with this one is to establish an entire year with an organization. Three in-person, one-day on-site visits with virtual sessions in between. So in the in-person sessions, we can really work as groups. We can do some practice, some skill practice, and then we can touch base throughout the year with those individual virtual sessions. So that is our second option. We're obviously going to continue our Art of the Great Boss cohorts. But finally, you can also license and teach our curriculum. We've developed it to the point where really anybody could step in. There's a very robust train the trainer guide. I will also come on site and teach you how to teach the curriculum. So you could do it at your own time, your own pace, your own schedule. For information on all of these programs, just check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. We've discovered that there is pretty much a day for everything and everybody. You know, of course, we have, uh, you know, Black History Month. We have Asian Pacific Islander Month. We have National Bosses Day. We have Grandparents Day. Of course, we have the big ones, Mother's Day, Father's Day. But we also have International HR Day. And that, I don't exactly know the day, but I know the month is May. And so we're going to celebrate it during the whole month of May. And when it came up on the calendar, I started thinking, for international HR, who do I know that is in HR and is international? And only one name popped into my head, and that is our guest today. Helen Pang is one of the senior HR executives at Sun Life. And I have known Helen since, I guess, 2010. I actually was able to meet up with her when I did a project in Poland, and we did some work together when she was at Pratt & Whitney Canada. And I've sort of watched her progression and was very excited for the opportunity to chat with her. So she is actually located in Hong Kong. We spoke. It was evening for her and morning for me. And it was a great talk, not specifically all about international HR, but really the international experience. And I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. So if you are thinking about one day maybe doing international HR or being, uh, you know, going the expat route, this would be a great episode because it'll give you the lowdown on some things to think about. Helen's journey is amazing, and you'll hear some of the stories in there that I've thought about all these years that really remind me of if you want something bad enough, you can get it. Helen is absolutely proof of that. So let's quit talking about her. Let's talk to her. You know what time it is. Let's make sure that personal item's tucked under the seat in front of you. Make sure your seatbelt is buckled low and across your hips. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. 
Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Helen Payne, welcome to the show. Hello. Helen, it is so good to be with you. We knew each other, we were just calculating today, back in the 2010s. So it's been a while. Uh, We were working on some projects together. And in honor of International HR Professionals Day, which is a few days ago, but we're going to celebrate the whole month, I could not think of a better person to talk about international HR than you. So what we'll do today, Helen, is I want to talk about your journey. We want to talk about some of the things you've learned in your travels and advice that you can give for people who are thinking about even working abroad or even taking international HR as a career. So Helen, welcome. And Helen, tell us about your journey. How did you start your HR career? Well, thank you so much, Mac. Well, I still, you know, used to your older name, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I forgot to tell you why, why I changed my name. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So did I tell you why I did that? You did. You did. Okay, but okay, uh, yeah. still, right? When I knew you, you're you still can, Malcolm. <laughs> you can, and if you feel comfortable, you can call me that as well. My mom still does, so that's uh, fine. Because I remember the days we collaborated with each other and blink 13 years gone by. So I'm so happy when you reach out. Um, so I'm going to introduce myself to the audience. Hi, everyone. My name is Helen Peng. Uh, I'm currently the Chief HR and Communication Officer for Sun Life International Hubs located in Hong Kong. Uh, I was born in China, lived in Canada for 22 years, then moved to Hong Kong for about one and a half years. So I'm still a newbie. Uh, I've been in HR field for over 20 years. Uh, you asked me how I started my HR career. In fact, I always see myself as a people person. I'm always curious about human behaviors. So when I graduated from my MBA uh, at McGill University, I was searching for a job and I wanted a, a change. When I look at the field I was interested in and what I was good at, I wanted to do something uh, where I can interact with people. So at that moment, HR was definitely one area I was particularly interested in. In fact, I got two offers. One was in HR with exciting opportunities, but offered very little salary. <laughs> and uh, the other one offered much higher salary, but it's actually uh, the role was more dealing with systems rather than people. And you know, we always have the, those moments we have to do the decision-making matrix, right? Mm-hmm. I actually thought long and hard about it. And then I decided uh, I, I should choose the job that aligned with my interest, with my strength and long-term goals. That's why I took the lower paid HR job, uh, but I negotiated with my manager at the moment to give me a six-month performance review, and if I'm doing a great job, I would get a salary increase. Don't forget, I actually got a very high score. I actually got 100%, believe it or not, for my MBA in the managerial negotiation course. <laughs> I believe you did, yeah. <laughs> and, and even up to today, I thought the system had an error. No one gets 100 for your MBA course, right? But needless to say, I was interested in that. And in, um, I thought to myself, well, I may have started at a lower point, but it's going to be closer to my long-term goal. That's how I entered the HR field. So now, Helen, you were in uh, Montreal. You attended McGill. 
Now, one thing I remember about you when we met is you told me, because one thing I, I know about you is you are multilingual. So, uh, so we met each other, obviously, there in Canada, but then I did a project with Pratt & Whitney over in Poland, and you actually met me there, and we worked over there, and I had dinner with you one night, and you ordered in Polish. And I thought, I, I grew up, my grandparents were Polish. They spoke Polish. I don't remember a handful of words, the bad words that my grandpa taught me, but you picked it up instantly and were ordering in Polish. So you told me also you moved in with a family that spoke French to learn French. Oh, you had and, great memory. I can't well, believe I just, you remember when I, that. When I heard that, I was, I was just absolutely amazed like wow you know people here we go to apps we want to learn how to speak you just move in and get immersed in it so helen tell us how long did you live with that family before you became fluent in french oh my god um there's a beautiful story actually there i don't know if i get a chance to share with you so when i first moved to montreal i didn't speak a word of french mm -hmm. my first word was not bonjour nor messy, it's, it's alloué, which means for rent, because I needed a place to stay. <laughs> and uh, when I did my MBA at McGill, it's all in English. So there's no French involved, right? But after mm -hmm. I graduated, I started my HR career, and I can get by in English during the daytime, because mm -hmm. the business, right, is still conducted in English. But lunchtime, it was all in French. All my colleagues gathered together, sharing, speaking French, and I was miserable because I couldn't participate, I couldn't understand anything. At that moment of time, I said to myself, I have two choices. One, stay miserable. <laughs> or the other one would be, you know, learn the language. So uh -huh. I raised my hand to my manager at the moment, who is a francophone. I said, I want to give up all my vacation this year. I want to take some unpaid leave I want to do a French immersion. And he was impressed because no one else has raised a hand like that. And his francophone super proud of their languages. Um, so he said, Helen, I support you. And if you come back and your French improves tremendously, I'll give you back your vacation. Wow. I, I know, no one was like that, right? So I went uh -huh. to Quebec City, um, mm -hmm. couldn't afford Paris, of course. Uh, <laughs> stayed. Well, French Canadians a little bit different right, too than that too. French French. Exactly. Yeah. And in Quebec City, I would say 80% of people actually don't speak English. And the family I stayed with, they didn't speak a word of English. So during the day, I would go to the language school, learning the proper grammars and, you know, the vocabularies and everything. And then at night, right, coming back to the family, cooking with the family, playing with the kids. That's how I started speaking French. I stayed in their basement for seven weeks. Wow. And I know. And <laughs> one day I start to dream in French. That's when I know, oh, um, I probably got this. <laughs> wow. So you dreamed in French, huh? Yes. Because you get a headache. Because every day, right? <laughs> during the day, during the night, that's the language you, you use. Um, and guess what? When I come back, when I came back, my uh, my boss gave me back my vacation. Isn't that a beautiful wow. story? That is a great story. So, how many languages do you speak comfortably, Helen? Right now, uh, English, French, Chinese, Mandarin, Chinese, uh -huh. and I'm learning uh -huh. Cantonese right now because I live in Hong Kong. So uh -huh. I pick up Cantonese, which is 
even more complicated in Mandarin because Mandarin has four intonations. Cantonese uh -huh. has nine. Wow. Well, I'm sure I'm sure you'll pick it up quickly. I mean, you seem like you have a knack for it. So let me ask you this question. When you're in your home and you accidentally bump into your coffee table with your shin bone, what language do you say the bad word in? Uh, still English first. English first. Okay. Right. I won't ask you the word. I just didn't know. <laughs> that's the other. Like, if you dream in a language, you've earned it. But when you can swear in a language, it's comfortable, right? Absolutely. And I also asked my husband, because he's a French-Canadian and he's fluent. Uh, he's fluent bilingual, right? England, French. But I asked uh -huh. him, when you count numbers, uh -huh. which language do you use? That usually mm -hmm. is your mother tongue. And oh. he still calculated in French. Okay. Yeah, I calculated in Chinese. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I would. I'm. I get complicated enough with just English and a little Spanish. So that's. Oh, impressive. Spanish is good too. Well, it's. It's again. It's. In fact, my uncle who speaks Spanish, he went to Egypt on vacation, couldn't speak anything, but he found somebody that spoke Spanish. And he says, "Well, I could communicate in Spanish and English. So it's perfect. You oh, know, lovely. couldn't speak Arabic, but you know, it was. It was great." So, so Helen, let's go back to your journey now. When you immigrated to Canada, did you find there were any barriers? And when you, because you just sort of show up to a strange place, how did that work for you? Oh, in fact, when I first moved to Canada, I did see a lot of barriers, stereotypes, and bias. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Interestingly, I learned two words that apply to me, but I never knew before. <laughs> One is visible minority. Okay. I never knew I was miserable, a visible minority until I arrived in Canada. Uh, before, okay. right, I was just Helen. I was just this mm -hmm. unique identity who was curious, optimistic, and kind of funny. At least my husband uh -huh. thinks so. Uh, now I belong to a category, right, a visible minority. Uh, there's also another word that hit me. It's called bamboo seating. I'm sure you have heard about glass ceiling, right, for career. I've heard glass, yes. I know, but apparently um, we Asians, we got a new one. We got a particular ceiling. <laughs> it's bamboo ceiling. And really? I was, yeah, I was quite shocked. And a few times I was asked a question at a conference or interviews. Um, people would say, as a visible minority, how did you break the bamboo city? See, two words in one sentence. Two words, you probably like, wow, what are they talking about? Right? I know. So <laughs> that's that's kind of like a really, really interesting for me, right? And I'm, my immediate thought was, oh, I must have, must have had a very hard head to break a bamboo city, even <laughs> though I'm very hard-headed sometimes. <laughs> well... Uh, well, tell us about, so I know the glass ceiling is like there's this invisible barrier that I just can't seem to break and get to the next level. So how does, is, what is the principle with bamboo? Is it particularly because it's Asian or is there another reason? I think probably because we, in Asia, we have those bamboos, which is unique, right? They just use right. it to describe uh, the glass ceiling for us. Uh, mm -hmm. When I was first Joined, uh, joining Sun Life, we actually did some exercise for HR, right? We look mm -hmm. at diversity and we did find something. For example, um, Asians, like a so-called visible minorities, right? I use that word mm -hmm. again. Um, we have a lot under certain levels. For example, under director levels, so many analysts, right? So many consultants. 
uh, so many people work for data and systems and finance and numbers. But when you hit leadership roles, like a directors and above, all of a sudden the number decrease. So with that, that's probably what they describe as a bamboo city. I see. Yeah. So a barrier that prevents you from moving past a certain point. Exactly. Almost, almost like you could be like, you need to stay in your place. You're not allowed at this next level. Okay. Because the higher level may require, I guess, um, very strong communication skills, uh, very strong ability to navigate in the organization, adapt to the culture you're not used to, mm -hmm. uh, really understand the culture, right? So that's probably hard for people who immigrate to a certain country. So that's why I think there's some barriers for those people to really break that ceiling and then become, you know, the, the kind of the leadership pool, right? Right. So, Helen, you have managed to break through the bamboo ceiling, <laughs> obviously. I mean, just considering your role and how you've moved to these major roles now. So I, I want to ask you kind of for somebody who may be at their career point right now thinking, I've tried everything. I don't know what the next step is. I mean, what would you recommend? You're somebody who has shattered barriers now and you've overcome lots of obstacles. If I am at my role thinking, wow, how do I become like Helen? Ooh, wow. um, what, what would you recommend? How do we get on a path, a path that can, can get us to you know, where you're at? Because it seems very exciting. You know, I actually thought about it. And um, when I reflect to myself, first of all, I never thought myself as a ceiling. You know, I, I never put a ceiling in my mind. So for me, when there's no ceiling, then there's no, no need to break. So what I thought about um, in terms of my career is often is what I bring to the table, what unique about me, what is my strength, and how I'm going to make sure the organization recognize that strength and I can maximize to the fullest. I think I didn't have that subconscious kind of like a barrier put in front of myself because some of my friends would say, oh, I didn't get that job because I'm Asian. You know, I didn't, you know, get the chance to present because of my accent mm -hmm. or I didn't get this because of that. I actually just <laughs> a little bit fearless saying, wow, I don't care about my accent. <laughs> you know, if you understand me because mm -hmm. language is used for communication, right. right? If you understand me, we're good, right? Mm -hmm. And if you, you, you laugh at my accent, okay, try my language. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I've, I've tried. It's very difficult. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So that's why I think one of the things I don't think about is the limitations. And honestly, I was also not as ambitious as today, because at one point of time, I was thinking, OK, I'm just good being in a leadership position, being a manager. And I also met people who believed in me or saw something in me before I even saw the saw them myself. So mm -hmm. one of the uh, my leaders, my managers who actually hired me and promoted me to where I am. And she actually at one point of time, I think I was um, assistant vice president at the moment. And she's like, Hey, Helen, do you want to be a CHRO one day? I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I never thought about that. And mm -hmm. by from that day on, I start to thinking about start to think about it. I say, you know what, maybe one day I can. 
I don't know how long that day would be, right? But mm -hmm. I can look at what that road needed, right? I can start to build some muscles uh -huh. and I start to prepare myself for it. Um, so I think not putting barrier in my own mind and also, of course, um, have somebody in your life who believed in you. That's also very, very important. Well, let's go back to that person that believed in you. Did so she did she suggest that like she's thought you would be good to go on that path? Was it just ideas that she was throwing out? She must have seen something in you to even bring that up because that's a significant role. I was. I think she did see something in me. In fact, uh, when she promoted me, uh, there's another story. I have a lot of stories to share. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's why we have podcasts, right? Exactly. Um, so one day we had a team building activity. So we're at the bar and she just threw this out to me. You would never expect a career discussion is happening at the bar, right? <laughs> she actually said, oh, Helen, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, putting this portfolio together uh, and make a, a VP position. And I think you're the perfect person for that. Mm. And I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> do, you, do you know that I'm not the expert in that area? Um, and she said, yes, I know. But that's why I chose you because you have no preconceived notion about this. You're gonna bring in all your energy, the way you transform your previous position, you know, to transform this one. And I need someone to fix this. And I think you can do it. So that day I walked back home and I called my husband. And uh, I said, hey, how many times do you see me freak out? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, um, almost uh, never. And I'm, gonna, mm -hmm. I'm freaking out now. So I told him and his first uh, response was, oh, you can do it. I know you can do it. You did this, this, you have this, this, this. I'm a big fan. You can do it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, right? The two people, uh, they saw something in me that I didn't even, you know, see myself yet. Um, the funny thing though, the minute I was in that role, I forgot all about the fears I had. I just start problem solving because every role is about learning, it's about mm -hmm. problem solving, it's about uh, find the best talent who are better than me <laughs> to work with me, right? Uh, yeah. And that's how I actually, I took on that pr promotion. Um, and uh, the funny thing, and you, know, don't, you don't know if it's the universe speaking to you. Uh, I saw that uh, quote saying, um, when the opportunity uh, knocked on your door and you don't know how to do it, say yes, then figure it out. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just the whole universe, <laughs> right, talking to me. Um, and uh, you know what, by the end of the day, uh, I remember uh, about a year after that, one day I opened my eyes, I'm like, I've got this. So, mm -hmm. you know, she's the same person who asked me that question. And I think my growth, uh, cannot be uh, as fast if uh, I didn't meet her. So I thank her tremendously. So she's almost like a, maybe a career mentor for you, at least in that time, right? Absolutely. In Chinese, in fact, we have a word called bo le. Um, translating into English, it's, it might not be word to word that accurate, but it's more like a talent scout, but someone who found the talent and someone who has an eye, I think she was 
acting more like that to me. That's great. Do you feel like you have that talent too? Uh, I hope so, because um, one of my passion is actually to help uh, and mentor and coach the young professionals. And I've done that in the last 20 years. Uh, no matter where I go, uh, I have my own mentor and I'm always mentoring someone else. Um, I go to some uh, seminars, I offer them free seminar, talk to the young talent. Even today, there are so many messages from LinkedIn, right? Um, mm -hmm. I remember when I left Canada, I had a LinkedIn post uh, and I didn't expect to generate, you know, thousand reactions and, and comments. And the ones that stay with me and make me tear is, are the ones actually I don't know. Those people who mentioned, oh, seven years ago, I was at this, this seminar or this event, you said this, this, and that changed my life. Or I was inspired by, you know, one of the things you said or you did. Those are the, the comments that really, really touched my heart. And I think by the end of the day, we need many, many more people who pay it forward. They, they probably don't even know um, maybe one of their insights, one of their story just inspired uh, other people or helped other people to move with their career or cope with some difficult in, difficulties in their life. So for me, that's the meaning, that's the purpose of anyone, or at least for me, when I leave this planet, I hope it will be remembered or by someone and leave certain trees to make this world a slightly better place. No, I think that's a legacy to be very proud of. And you're a, you're a benefactor from it, that person that saw something in you. And now here you are. So with that said, Helen, tell me about it, the bamboo ceiling. Is it, still, <laughs> is it still strong today? I think for many people, if I speak for the people that I interacted with, or mentored, uh, especially if I speak about my own community, right, the Chinese community mm -hmm. in North America or other places other than Asia, I still think it exists somehow. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people spoke to me about, uh, you know, don't know how to navigate in the organization. They work hard, but they may not have the visibility to be seen. Uh, or they don't always fit in the culture or they don't engage in the conversation that they feel they can contribute as much either because of language or because of the, the rituals are different, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, so I think it still exists in some ways, but we need more people to tell them, break it, right? Don't let limit yourself. And particularly for people who are ambitious, who are driven, don't put any barrier in your own mind. We cannot underestimate how our brain works, the brain power. If you don't believe there's a ceiling, you just say, hey, I'm just gonna, you know, this is a job, I'm gonna make it the way I want, then there's no ceiling for you, right? Again, it takes courage, it takes art also, the techniques you have to learn, right? Uh, and takes faith in that. So I do believe there are, to some extent, there are still there, that bamboo ceiling, but I do encourage people to don't limit yourself, don't think about that, focus on the values you bring to the table, focus on your uniqueness, your strengths, 
will make you shine and blossom. That's that's what I wanted to hear. So there is hope. If you are saying there's a bamboo ceiling, Helen has broken it and, and she's just given you the formula. So Helen, I just have one more question for you. And so if somebody is listening today and says, you know what, I really want that kind of life. I want to be like Helen. I want to be able to go to Canada and I want to go to Hong Kong and I want to <laughs> learn languages and I want to do international HR. Uh, I can remember when I did the, the trip to Shanghai and right. I asked you before I left, I said, I don't want to get in trouble while I'm over here. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> can you help? And, and you gave me some tips. You says, you know, over there, you're very good at asking audiences for input. In China, they, they just want to listen. They, they don't want to talk because they don't want to make them look like they're smarter than the teacher. And I thought, well, I don't, you know, I'll do what I can, but you prepped me. And that I think was very, very helpful because I was actually really nervous once I was there. I had a great time. I'd love to go back. But for the person who really wants to follow that path, what recommendations would you have if you're about ready to go and go to an international job someplace to, to learn the language, to not do anything that would offend people? What would you recommend, Helen? Well, first of all, I'm so impressed by your memory. You still remember the thing 13 years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I can't remember where I left my keys. So there's that, right? <laughs> the funny thing is, um, as I mentioned, I moved to Hong Kong a year and a half ago, right? Mm -hmm. From Canada. And even Hong Kong is very close to China. Uh, it's, a, it's no different for someone who moved to like a Finland, for example, because mm -hmm. The language is still different, and the system how how it works so different. Um, I remember when I came here, um, I have no no phones, right? No credit card, and the banks it take two hours to go open a bank account, um, wow. right? You look for an apartment, you don't even know where to start, and once you find that apartment, you're like, okay, where am I gonna find a locksmith, for example? Simple like that. So, mm -hmm. so everything is so new, um, but if I think based on my experience, I can provide some advice. Number one is uh, be adaptable, right? Uh, you know you're coming to a, a new world uh, and there are a lot of a change you need to cope with. So address yourself uh, in a way saying, accept everything. You, you may not know all the things, you may not have answered, which is okay, um, but you have to be curious. Curious really helped me learn. I remember to tell myself to remove the subject matter expert hat uh, and put a beginner's hat on, right? To start to learn, to learn about the culture and even learn how to do business there. Because I inherited a new team. I had new bosses. I had completely new business to learn from, different markets. And, um, you know, like, I, I'm so new alone, my husband wasn't even there, so everything needs to be uh, adapted. So at that moment of time, I said, I'm no longer uh, the expert. I don't know everything. And I accept the fact I don't know everything, right? So I seek out for help, I ask around, I say, oh, can you help me understand this? And then I also, uh, you know, ask myself again to your earlier, learning a new language right so mm -hmm. the Hong Kong team they really appreciate that you start using their language you practice 
with them, and then you learn some slangs and funny things. They thought it was really cute. <laughs> so, so that piece really, really helped me. And then network. I know I moved in during the pandemic, so it's hard to network over Zoom, right?、Uh, yeah. But I think I was very fortunate to connect to some individuals even before I moved to Hong Kong. I never met them in person until I arrived in Hong Kong, but I helped them in certain ways. For example, they invited me to talk to uh, a, uh, a panel, you know, all these things. So I was helping them, and then when I met them already, it feels like old friends. They show me around. They gave me some tips.、Uh, they even gave me a list of the places that I should go. Right. So、mm-hmm. I think、uh, build that network professionally and personally. It's really, really helping anyone in a new place, a new country.、Um, You know, even just like learn where to eat, where to buy things, where's the fun place to hang out is actually pretty cool.、Uh, and by the end of the day,、um, I think go with the flow, right? That is very、uh, important. Don't don't use your own system to judge. Don't think oh things supposed to be this way, right? And no, when you're in a new country, respect and be curious about why. Things are this way.、Um, I give you one quick example. My husband、mm-hmm. discovered we bought a big TV, and then he said, "Oh, the the color is not as good, so he want exchange." In North America, right? You send back, you exchange so easily. Here,、yeah. no, they don't exchange for you. Either you have to have a quality issues, and you have to call the manufacturer. You can't even call, you know, the big store like the Best Buy type, right?、Uh-huh. Uh, to exchange. Um, so in the end, you couldn't. And my husband say, "Huh? Why?" But when I dig a little bit deeper, I said, "You know what? Hong Kong is so dense, and and there's no warehouse to store all these things. So if people return, it costs a fortune, right, for them、mm-hmm. to actually put all these units in a warehouse.、Uh, basically, here the rent is like crazy." So the, 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 it makes business sense. They say no, we don't exchange. But at the beginning, you'll be like, "Huh?、Oh, how come?" Right? <laughs> so there are a lot of、uh, adaptation, a lot of differences. But again, I think if you keep the curiosity and ask yourself not to play judgment, right? Go with the flow. Learn about new culture. Make new friends. I think、um, for anyone who have that mentality, it could be easily settling in a new country. I think that's great advice, even if you're just going to visit. So if you're listening to this and you're doing an international trip, replay that part over and over, and I think you'll have a much better time. <laughs> Helen, I have thoroughly enjoyed reconnecting with you and chatting with you this morning. And so, if、uh, anybody now has heard this and says, "Boy, I would really like to to ask Helen a question,"、uh, your LinkedIn profile is that probably the best way that somebody could reach out to you? Absolutely, absolutely.、Oh. If anyone wants to know more, or check in, or get some uh, tips, uh, or visiting Hong Kong, right? For whatever reasons, feel free to reach out through LinkedIn. Beautiful. Well, Helen, thank you so much for spending time with me. This is your evening, my morning. We appreciate that, and I will not let thirteen years go by before we touch base again. I promise. You know what?、Um, make conscious trip to Hong Kong. You have a friend here who's going to show、okay. you around. 
was going to show you some new tricks, right, in the, in the new customs. <laughs> okay, I can't wait. Helen, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Well, thank you. Great seeing you. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years, and I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present, as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs. More information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.